Well, I think it goes without saying that um, this has been a very tough week for all of us. Um, it's been a tough week for our staff. It's been a tough week for our church. I believe it's been a tough week for our community. Um, and it certainly has been a tough week for the Prey family. And our hearts go out this morning to, uh, to Courtney and her three children, Noah, Hallie, Carson, and certainly Andrew and Courtney's uh, extended family. And um, just so you know, uh, and I don't know how she did it. Courtney was here in the first service this morning, um, sitting right over here with my, wi- my wife and some of her closest friends um, in our church. And, I mean, she just worshiped, hand-raised. And, um, you know, it's the, through moments like that you just truly see God's grace um, in, in, in all of its glory. And, uh, but all of us, as we've walked through this week together, we've been moved by uh, just a whole array of uh, different emotions since we've heard the news of, of Andrew's death. Uh, many of us have been moved to tears. Some of us have, have felt confused. We've felt helpless. We've, we've been certainly moved to compassion. I know that, you know, we, we experience anger during moments like this. We, we feel a, a, a deep sense of loss and pain. And uh, as a pastor... During times like this, I get asked a lot of questions, and many times I have to just shake my head and quote Deuteronomy 29, 29, that says, the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. God says there are just some things that uh, belong to him. They're the secret things. In other words, there are things about him, and there are things about his ways that uh, we'll never be able to, to know in this lifetime and we'll certainly never be able to understand until we get to heaven. And one of the things about God that most people struggle with when we find ourselves in situations like this, when, when life doesn't make sense, is, 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 is you know, the, the why questions. Most, of, most all of us have been in situations before where, where we've looked up to heaven in, in desperation and we've, we've just you know, simply just said, okay, God, what's up with this? Um, I love you. I, I've been, I believe your word. I know you love me. But this doesn't make any sense. Matter of fact, this doesn't even seem fair. I, I'll just be honest, Lord, this is wrong. And oftentimes we can't find the answer. And even if we do, we, we don't like the answer that we come up with. However, in spite of, of, of things that we don't know about God or the things that we simply can't understand, there are, there are many, many things about God that he has re- revealed to us about himself and, and his ways, and we find those things in his word. And, and it's those things and it's those characteristics and it's those truths that, about him that we have to look to during moments like this. These are, the, these are the, truly the things that we have to anchor our soul in because they're the things that give us peace and they give us strength and they give us hope during times like this. And so this morning, I want to take our time and I want to focus on those things so that we can find our hope and we can find our strength in him alone. And so we may also be able to, to, to help others through times like this and, and to even help ourselves when we come into those moments where life doesn't make sense. Now again, there's, there, there's a lot of questions that we face when we come into times like this. And one of, the, one of the questions that we all ask is, how in the world could God allow something like this to happen? I think one of the mysteries of the world is the presence of sin and evil innocent people and we see it all we see it every day we see it on the news we you know we see it around us innocent people suffer because of the presence of sin and evil in our world I mean we we live in a fallen world that is decaying right in front of our eyes 
Sin has, has affected everyone around us, including our own lives. And the Bible says that even nature itself is affected by sin. The Bible says that the actual, the earth groans for the presence of God. It longs for the Lord to return so that things could be restored to, to God's original plan, the plan that he had in mind, the plan that he, that, that he had in mind when he created this whole earth. But until that day comes, and as we continue to live in a world that's full of suffering and trials and even death, here's a few things that, that God has made clear about himself, and I think a few things that he wants us to know about him. First of all, he's sovereign. In other words, he has absolute rule and control over all creation. Nothing happens that he doesn't know about. Nothing happens that he does not allow. Nothing happens that does not first go through his hands. He's never caught off guard by anything. He is never surprised, and thank God he is never shaken. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. I read this the other day from a quote from a guy named Alan Redpath. He said, There is no circumstance, no trouble. No testing that can ever touch me until, first of all, it has gone past God and past Christ right through to me. And it, if, it's, it, if it has come that far, it has come with great purpose. And so we need to understand when we face moments like this that our God is sovereign. We also know that God is love. And it's not just that he's loving, but the Bible tells us that by his very nature, he is love. And because he is love, his responses to us and the ways that he chooses to relate to us are always out of a heart of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, so, so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Because God is love, we know that he loves us. And we also know that, that his love for us is sacrificial, it's unconditional, and it's beneficial to us, and it's visibly expressed. And out of his will and out of his glory, he, he joyfully chooses to love us, especially during times like this when life doesn't make sense. We also know that he's good. Psalm chapter 107, verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. And when we go through things that don't make sense, and when we go through things where we are hurt deeply. This is, this is truly one of the hardest things for us to understand about God, just his goodness. How does a God that is so good allow so many terrible things to happen? Again, we have to, we have to go back to why bad things happen and why there's so much suffering and pain in this world. I mean, there's this presence that we, that we deal with called sin and evil and, and, the, and the fact that we just live in a fallen world that is, again, decaying right in front of our eyes. And it's in, but it's in the midst of all of the suffering and pain and trials that, that we truly do see God's goodness shine. We see his love reflected through the lives of other people. We, we feel his, his grace carrying us. And through, through times, we, we, we see how he, he makes things come together for our good and for his glory. Our pain and our suffering and our struggles actually grieve the heart of God. We know that Jesus actually cried when, when, his, when, his, when his own friend died. And so we see throughout Scripture, even in the midst of, of, of pain and suffering, that he's, he's a good God that loves his children. And then we also know that he's wise. And this is another place where people struggle. You know, in all honesty, I mean, today, today we, we find ourselves in a situation where, where it'd be very easy to just say, okay, God, you know, I get it. You're in charge. You say in your word you love us. You say you're good. But where's the wisdom in this? 
I mean, where's, where's the wisdom in allowing a young man with, with, a, with a wonderful wife and three beautiful children to, to leave us in the prime of his life? I mean, with, with so much to live for. I mean, it doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't seem wise at all. Lord, we, we, we don't understand this. And so we have to go to Scripture. And we see in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, it says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who, who knows enough to give him advice? And who, who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is extended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Again, the Bible says there, there, there are moments where it will be impossible to understand God's decisions and his ways. But everything that happens goes first through his hands to bring him glory. And some of you may be you know, saying, okay, Brian, I, I, I still don't understand it. I still don't get this. And here's my answer to you. I don't understand it either. I'm just being honest with you. And here's the thing. We may never understand it. And even if we do understand it, it may not make sense to us. But listen to the words of Isaiah chapter 55. This is what the Lord says about himself. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Many of you know that um, back in 2004, um, I lost my dad very tragically. He was also a staff member. He was our our very first pastor of care here at Westridge Church. And quite honestly, I, I asked the tough questions. I questioned God's love. I questioned his wisdom. I questioned his goodness. And to this day, I still don't have all the answers and I, and I still don't like his plan. But by faith, I had to make a decision. And here's where I landed. I had to agree and believe that he is righteous and he is holy. He is sufficient, which means he doesn't need anything to be God. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. He's omnipresent, which means that he can be everywhere at one time, and he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. But he's also sovereign, and he's also wise, and he's also good, and he is love. And even when I can't see what's happening from A to Z, I know that he can and all that he does is for my good and for his glory. We also need to realize that, that death and suffering and trials were, were just, they were never part of his plan. They were never part of his original plan for this earth. He, he never intended for this world to be in, you know, in the shape that it's in. He never intended for us to, to suffer loss or to face these kinds of tragedies. But because of sin and evil, the world suffers. And we, we find ourselves at, at times like this, moments where where, 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 where we suffer. We suffer along with the world. So what happens when we face moments where life doesn't make sense? Well, because we do trust God and because we love him and because we believe that he's faithful, we grow in compassion towards one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled we'll be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And the Bible says that God comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And when we see, when we, when we see someone that is hurting, our, our hearts should be moved to compassion 
A compassion that is so strong that it, that it leads to, to take action on someone else's behalf. And I want to tell you, church, how proud I am of all of you. I have watched your hearts in action, not, not just through written word and the little notes that you've put out, but I've, I've listened to you and I've watched your hearts be moved and to action to say, what, what can I do? And I want to just encourage you to, to, to keep that heart of compassion. Just keep it moving forward because we're, we're going to face more times like this in the future. So our hearts during times like this, they, they, they grow in compassion towards one another. But we also, we also grow in our relationships. When, when life doesn't make sense, what happens? Those that love Christ come together in unity. When we face tragedies or we face moments where we see others suffering, what happens? We, we, we put aside our petty arguments. We put aside our differences. We put aside conflict. We, we forgive one another. And we come together in unity. I, look, I remember back at 9-11 when our nation was attacked and, you know, we saw the very best of our country. We came together. We, we crossed racial lines. We crossed religious lines. We, we crossed social lines and we came together as a country and we stood together. I mean, I, I saw things that I never thought I would see before. I, I saw Alabama and Auburn fans come together. I saw Georgia, Georgia Tech fans put down their differences and come together. I mean, where I'm from, and this is a miracle, I saw people from Michigan actually come together with Ohio State fans. It was quite a, quite a miraculous thing. The moments that shake us to the core, they cause us to grow in compassion towards one another, but they also create a strong sense of unity. And I'll tell you, I, I felt that this morning. We also grow in our inner strength. I mean, the thought of enduring trials and enduring troubles and tragedies and suffering, I mean, it just stinks. It's brutal. No one, no one wakes up in the morning and, and signs up, you know, for the box that says, I want trials. I mean, we, we don't, even though the Bible said that, that, that suffering is part of God's will, I mean, we, we don't go, I checked that box, Lord, I want suffering. We, we don't do that. But it's how we grow stronger. It's actually how God has chosen to, to strengthen us as a people. I've heard, I've heard people say that I'm not the same person um, that I was 15 years ago when we moved here to start Westridge Church. And I want you to know that I wholeheartedly agree with that. When I moved here, I was 32 years old, um, had more hair. And today I'm 47 and things are a little grayer. But in the last 15 years, I've, I've had to bury four staff members, one being my own father. I've walked with many of you through the death of, of your own children and spouses, parents, brothers, sisters, grandparents, close friends. I've watched our church go through a lot of changes, and some of it has uh, been very painful and, and, and very personal to me. And I'll be honest with you, I, I would not have chosen any of it. But I feel with each trial and with each struggle and with each moment of suffering, it's made me stronger as a person. And I still don't understand some of it. And quite honestly, I still don't like some of it. But I'm stronger because I've seen God's faithfulness. I've seen it run through my life like a string, through each event, through every up and down, through every valley, through every moment, uh, uh, mountaintop experience. There's been a string of God's faithfulness. And I've realized he's never left me. He's never failed me. We sang it a few moments ago. He's never run out on any of us. He's never let me down. And because of that, I trust him more than I did 15 years ago. I, 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 I know that he loves me more than I understood 15 years ago. 
I understand grace more than I did 15 years ago. I, I've, I know his power more than I did 15 years ago. And so when we do face moments like this and we choose to walk towards God and we choose not to allow ourselves to get bitter, the inner man grows stronger. And then we also grow spiritually. I want you to listen to this wonderful promise from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And that is an eternal promise. God promises us that he himself will restore us. He will establish us. As we go through suffering, he will strengthen us and he will establish us. That means that regardless of what we face, that means regardless of, of what we go, go through by his grace, God will give us what we need to make it till the end. He will continue to grow us spiritually until we see Jesus face to face. So how do we respond? How do we respond when, when life doesn't make sense? First of all, we need to lean on Christ for stability. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, verse 7 says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's at times like this that we lean into Jesus for firm footing. I watch people go through tough times and they're Sometimes when, when, when their footing is not anchored in Christ and it's not anchored on, on God, I, I watch them go all over the place and I watch people lose themselves and, and fall away. Why? Because they have not built their life on a firm foundation. There, there's things around us that we look at right now and it, it appears that things are crumbling and it appears that waves may seem to be crashing into us and water is, is, is coming over our head. But the Bible says that regardless of what we go through, we don't ever need to be afraid because the psalmist says that Jesus is our refuge. He is our strength. He is with us. And he is our fortress. A few weeks ago, I, I called Andrew on the phone and I said, Andrew, there's a song that I keep listening to. I can't get it off my, my heart. It's a song called Cornerstone. And um, it's just a mixture of this old hymn and this new chorus. And he said, I've been listening to it too. And I said, I want you to, to get it in front of our church. And he was all over it. And it says this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in Savior's love. Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Because of that truth, we can lean on him, we can rest on him, and we can hide in him. The next thing that we need to do is we, we need to listen to Christ for direction. There's a lot of times when, when life doesn't make sense and we don't know which way to turn and, and there's often times that we, we, we choose to go with our gut and we end up making a mess of our lives. I'm reminded of, of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Some of you may be thinking, well, what, what, what if I don't like God's direction for my, for my life? Well, it's just those moments where we have to trust his character. We have to step back and go, God, you are sovereign. You are love. You are good. You are wise. 
when I can't see it, when I, when I don't understand what you're doing, Lord, when, when, when it doesn't seem that the path that you're leading me down is one that, Lord, that, 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 that I like, we have to even go back to a promise that he made to the Israelites, and we have to claim it for ourselves from Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a, a hope and a future. And so when we come to times like this where things seem to be shaking and crumbling around us, we need to listen to Christ for direction. And then we need to look to Christ alone for salvation. We can look to Christ to be our salvation in this moment, but listen, more importantly, we can look to him to be our salvation for eternity. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, when he wrote a letter to this church at Corinth, he was going through a very difficult time. He had been struggling in, in Asia And he wrote these words. He said, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Again, the apostle Paul, as he's writing this, he's he's telling this church, he said, when I was in Asia, he says, I was suffering. He says in verse 8 that he was utterly burdened beyond his own strength. His pain was so strong that he, he didn't think that he would have the strength to live through it. But he said, God delivered him. And I love this, he says, and because of that, I look to the future. And I set my hope on him that he will deliver us again. See, Paul's hope was not based on some wishful thinking. His hope was based on God's absolute promises for the future. And not just that, but his faithfulness in the past. The last time that I was on stage with Andrew, it was our night of worship, which was a couple Sunday nights ago. And I was sitting there listening to he and Courtney and the rest of our worship community leading us in what was one of the most powerful evenings we've ever had in this church And um, I listened to all of the songs that we went through, and one of the songs just grabbed my heart, and it was a song that Courtney sang that night. It was called The Everlasting, and because I'm the pastor, I get to pick the encore song. And I walked up on stage, and and I looked at Andrew, and I said, Andrew, let's do do that song. And I looked at Courtney, and I said, Courtney, you're up. And she had this look on her face like, really? And she led us in the song called The Everlasting. And here are the words. The Lord's my light and salvation whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? I will wait for you. I will wait for you. I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. The Lord's my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will remain confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord. We set our hope on you, We set our hope on your love. We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God. You, Lord, are the everlasting God. You are the everlasting. And so, Westridge Church, we set our hope on God. We set our hope on his love. We set our hope on the one who is the everlasting God. And some of you I know this morning, your hearts are broken for this family your hearts are broken for, for our church, and I know, but I also know that some of you are going through difficult times. You're going through moments where you're looking at your life and, and there are things in your life that don't make sense to you at all as well. Set your hope on God. Set your hope on his love. Set your hope 
I'm the everlasting God, the everlasting. And so when we come to moments like this, we don't just rest on God, we lean into him. We stand firm on his footing. When everything around us is shaking and everything is shifting around us, what do we do? We don't move with shifting sands and with, we, we are anchored firm. Even though we may feel like the waves are crashing against us and things are falling apart, we know that our faith is anchored solidly in the one who gave his life for us. And we also, we also listen to his direction. We don't move all over the place and act like we're people who have been left alone just wandering and waving in the wind. Uh, We listen for his direction. We wait on him and we trust him. And we also look to Christ alone, our everlasting, for our salvation. And I want you to know that he doesn't just promise salvation for moments like this, but he promises salvation for all of eternity. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we come to you, we confess to you once again that there is nothing inside of us without you that allows us to make it through moments like this. We set our hope on you. We set our hope on your love. We set our hope on the everlasting God, the everlasting. Lord, we will wait on you. We will trust in you because we are confident, Lord, that you are sovereign, that you are love, that you're good, and you are wise. And Father, there are moments that we certainly don't understand what's going on around us, and Lord, I think you understand when we say this, Lord. There are moments that we certainly don't like what's going on around us. But because we are your people, And because we have seen your faithfulness time and time and time again, we trust you. Our hope is in you. And while the world around us is looking and asking the question why, and Lord, we as well are finding ourselves asking the question why, even when we don't have the answers and we don't know what to say, we point our hearts in your direction. We put our eyes right on you and we lean into you at these moments and trust you to be everything that you promised to be during times like this. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in Christ alone to be your salvation, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Maybe you have no clue what to do and I certainly understand that. Just pray with me if you would. Just say in your heart, Lord, At this very moment, I put all of my trust and all of my confidence in you alone. And I realize, Father, that there's nothing inside of me that could ever provide the salvation that I need, not just for today, but for all of eternity. And so, Lord, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, I place all of my faith and all of my trust in him alone. And I receive, Lord, his salvation for my life not just for today, but for eternity. And Father, I want you to repent of every offense that has grieved your heart. Every moment, Lord, that I've let you down, every moment that I've missed the mark. And I thank you, Lord, that through the death of Jesus, you have provided a forgiveness that I could never produce on my own. And Lord, without 
without truly, Lord, being deserving of this, I receive it as a free gift, and I thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer, would you let us know that you did that? You were handed a communication card as you came through the door. There's a box that says, this morning I prayed to receive Jesus to be my Savior. Take that card out to the Help Center. We want to be able to help you to take your next step in becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. For the rest of us, I I want us to stand quietly. I've asked Jason to come back up and lead us in a song. Our goal this morning was to focus on Jesus. If Andrew were to speak into this moment, and quite honestly, he, he planned all the songs. They all focused our hearts on Christ. They all focused our hearts on God. And I can't think of a better way to honor his life and certainly to honor our Lord than to, at moments like this, put all of our focus on Christ. What's Andrew doing at this moment? He's staring at the face of Jesus. Amen. So we will stare at Jesus, at the face of Jesus as well. And we will rest in him and we will live our lives for his glory. And we are reminded in Hebrews that there are a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. And all of you in this room have people who have gone on before you who are part of that great cloud. We have four staff members that are up there, including my dad. And they're pulling for us this morning to cross the finish line well. In Westridge Church, we will not let them down. So, as Jason sings, I want to give you an opportunity just to pray. Many of you have asked, what can we do? There's not a more powerful thing to do at this moment than to pray. To pray for Courtney and her children, to pray for Andrew's family, his parents, his sister and her husband, for Courtney's family as well. For our church, there's a church back in Arkansas that's grieving. We'll be, some of us will be with them this later this week. Paul's going to talk in just a few moments about the arrangements. But when we built this church, we built steps so that we would, could have an altar for moments like this. Church, I just want you to come, if you feel led, just to get on your knees. And let's come together in compassion and in unity. And let's get on our knees in front of God and just let God know, Lord, you are our everlasting. Our, our hope is set in you. When things around are shaking, we're not. Because you're a God that is unshakable, unmovable. And we trust you today. So if you need to pray as Jason sings, come on.